Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, it's about nine minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater program. 382 in the series. It's April 28th. It's a Sunday night. And we have classic radio shows for you all the way till 1 o'clock in the morning. We will start things off with Have Gun, Will Travel from 1960. Then after that, it's Suspense. But first, we're going to give away another year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter. Let me say hello to Lisa Wolf, my co-host. What's hey, up, Carl. Lisa? All good. What's up? How are you? I'm great. We have Dave Weiske in the studio yes, we as do. well. For cats and Pride. Mike Estella's here hey, as Mike. well. What's up, Mike? Hi, guys. It's a party. What's up, Dave? How are you? How you doing, team? Ah, uh, we're you know, good. What a, what a crazy couple of days of weather. We almost had, what, uh, three to eight inches yesterday. Now it's like uh, 45 and beautiful. You know, we were driving, Lisa and I carpool. We were driving here yesterday in my Jeep, and she's like, do me a favor. Drive slow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I said slowly, slowly. Slowly. And I'm like, Lisa, I have four-wheel drive. Yes. We're just going around everybody. We just went around everybody, Dave. So Dave Weiske is here. Dan is off uh, this month. He's taking a break tonight. But uh, hopefully Dan's listening, and um, Dave will do you proud, because we are going to give away another year's supply of Cats Pride Kitty Litter because uh, Dan Jaffe, Dave Weiske, they come here every single month, give away a year's supply, Cats Pride Kitty Litter, because they're our main sponsor here on the WGN Radio Theater. I would say there's some new and exciting things going on with Cats Pride, so we're hoping that you can uh, keep us up to date. Absolutely. So, you know, I was going to go ahead and wear this shirt yes. for the last time. Oh, it's switching out. Are you going to have to get again, new when ones? you think about logo changes, product changes, and really um, brand name changes, it's a big deal. And... We have done a phenomenal job on a complete artwork makeover. So we're talking about putting the jug in the seat, a little bit of makeup change and so forth. And I, to be joking aside, it, we have done a phenomenal job. And the a little whole, plastic surgery, a little facelift. Yes, uh, big time facelift. And it's beautiful. Um, it's really attracting. And I think when you see us on the shelf, you're going to be going, oh, my God, there's Cat's Pride. It looks different. <laughs> so one thing I want to make sure that everybody's clear, because your product that you love, there's so many versions of Cat's Pride. Go out to catspride.com, and we have a, a complete revamp, new look, interactive um, capability. So please do that. And again, what we're really driving is love is at the heart of our bright new 
look. And the love is litter for good. Everything's, you know, consolidated, and it's it's outstanding. And you well, should see this imagery. It is phenomenal. Well, yeah. we're, we're going to do that because um, Monday I will uh, do a uh, social media post, and we'll post some photos of your new and updated uh, product. Um, but, of course, the product is the same, right? We're just talking yeah, about the packaging correct. that has changed. No, the changed. same great product. You're going to see it in all the versions that uh, you love. The key is if you sit there and you look at Fresh Step, I mean, excuse me, Fresh uh, and Light Ultimate Care, you're going to sit there and look at the the brand version you like, and you can click it on a down drop arrow, and boom, you're going to see the new look. So the names have changed somewhat, so it's important for you to get educated so we don't lose you at the uh, at the counter. Now, the Litter for Good program, that's the same. So if you yep. want to join the Litter for Good program, which is a great program, and Dave, maybe you can spend a couple minutes telling our listeners why you should join the Litter for Good program, because it's just saving lives of cats across the world, really. And this is such a unique program. It started last year or the year before, and you've been donating... We're up to 6 million pounds at this point. Our goal is 20 million pounds by the end of 2020. And Leah Kraft is coming into town tomorrow. We're really excited to see the momentum we're having with the shelters. And, you know, really, when you think about it, and this is a a fact, and Dan has promoted this on our show over and over again, over 3 million cats can enter shelters each year. And literally 3 million of those cats, you think about it, they come in, they get into helping hands, they get adopted, but over half, over half of those will never find a forever home. Right. And that's um, one of the things we're trying to drive with Litter for Good. And again, for every jug you buy, we donate a pound to a nominated shelter, and it's it's just blowing away. And the numbers that we're seeing are phenomenal, and Leah and her team are doing a great job and continuing to promote this. So uh, we're changing cat lives for the better. Yeah. Now, when uh, when you do join Litter for Good and you do buy Cat's Pride, what happens is you buy, for every for every jug, they, they donate a pound to the shelter you designate. And here's the great thing about that. Now that shelter doesn't have to spend money buying cat ladder. They can use that money to help find a home for that cat. And that's it's really, it's connecting the dots and it's, it's working, saving millions of lives of cats. And you can help do that by buying Cat's Pride Kitty Litter, our main sponsor here on the WGN Radio Theater. Absolutely. And you defer those those dollars towards good effort programs that they can focus on, not only taking care of their facility, but more importantly, adoption programs. Some of the things we've seen launched, uh, we're so proud of. So, um, Dave, yeah. I have a question for you. These This new and improved, exciting packaging, mm-hmm. is this out on shelves now? Should we be it looking is. for it now? It is. And um, it's out there a little quicker than we'd like because the penetration is starting to uh, creep um, all over the country and I know our bandwidth is pretty strong here. I mean for even the south, down in Florida Publix is um, basically just came off a BOGO it's where you buy one, you get one free we were out there in the new packaging so um, the consumers out there, the customers were out there purchasing and they saw the new packaging. We're starting to see it um, across the nation. In this next week or two, we're really going to start seeing penetration in uh, really the aisles that you see. And it's a darker green. But I, again, encourage you to go to www.catspride.com and go out there and check out the new look because it is phenomenal. It's not just our green jug. It's also our white offering. So 
it's going to be exciting to see um, how things go for it. Well, I shop at Woodman's because uh, <laughs> Woodman's is another one of yep. our sponsors, and I see cats probably there all over the shelves at Woodman's. And it, it's a jewel as well. Yeah. And so. I just want to make it really, really clear: this is the same great product, absolutely, um, that There's... we know and we love and we trust, um, with some, you know, eye-catching new packaging. Yeah, yes. it's really nice. And we are also offering um, some baking soda, um, really attributes to some of these and a few other items that you're going to see that look uh, look like they're new but again from a you know a clumpability standpoint all our key attributes you know the odor control um, lightweight it's all going to be there for you folks if you have a cat do me a big favor because uh, our sponsor main sponsor here is cat spry do me a big favor switch over because you're going to love the product and they're the best on the on the market and they do great great things for cats well i think you're doing yourself a favor by yep. buying the best We'd cat love you. litter yeah. that you can buy help our sponsor and and they uh, they bring us uh, these show they bring you these shows every single week so uh, dave we are going to give away another year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. Now, now Dave and Dan come in here every month, uh, usually the last Sunday of the month, and we do a random drawing. And all you have to do to join for next uh, next month, folks, is send us a picture of your kitty cat. Send it to Cat's Pride Photo at gmail.com with all pertinent information, your cat's name, your name, city and state, and you'll be entered to win for next uh, next month when they come here. All right, you ready? Let's have a drum roll, please. Here we go. I hope this is like far, far away. Far, to show the far great away. Bandwidth of WGN and Cats Pride Nation. Here we go. It's Adrian Geyser. Her cats are Sophie and KC. That's KC, like Kansas City, Grand Island, New York. Oh, wow. Man, it, was, a great reach. it was a reach there. there How we go. awesome is that? Very nice. Very, very nice. All right. So, uh, Dave, real quick, before we get into our first classic radio show, um, give all the uh, websites again for people to check out the new product and to join Litter for Good. Yeah. So, again, for catspride.com, you go on out there, you can see our new look. You can also join. Two uh, really entities, one, the Litter for Good program, or our Cat's Pride Club. And that's very, very important. And also, for those that can't get out there to the stores, don't forget about your online purchase options, walmart.com, as well as chewy.com. We're out there, and we're excited to go ahead and have you purchase. But again, locally here in Chicago, don't forget Meyer. You get the Walmart uh, stores. You have um, Woodman's uh, up in Wisconsin, as well as part of Illinois. Um, super value, and we also have uh, all the way out west, Winko Foods. This is out in Portland, so that just goes to show you the reach that we're having out. Yep, excellent. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you very much. Thanks, Dan, and thanks uh, to everyone at Cat's Pride for being our sponsor from day one here on the WGN Radio Theater. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to tune in to Have Gun, Will Travel. Stick around. All right, Lisa, you ready for some uh, Western adventure in the adult arena? Only if we have John Daner on it. Yeah, well, okay, then we're good. there were lots and lots of Westerns on radio, but uh, not too many were as good as Have Gun, Will Travel. Made a uh, long run on radio, long run on television. Of course, on TV, Richard Boone played Paladin. And on radio, it was John Daner. We have an episode for you now from January 3rd, 1960, called The Return Engagement. Here is part one of Have Gun, Will Travel. 
You caused an innocent boy to spend six years in prison. Other people have turned their backs on the wrong that has been committed simply because you're a woman. But I'm here to see that you stand trial. Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of a man called Paladin. Come in. Oh, we saw Paladin? Hmm. Oh. Hello, hey boy. Oh, you play game solid there, huh? Uh-huh. Ah, see. Yeah, Mr. Paladin, you put up uh, Black Ace. Uh, huh? Oh. Yeah, yes. Thank, thank you, hey boy. Black Ace, now you see. You make Red Six on Black Seven? Oh, hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, 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 what, 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 what's the matter? Over here, like this, hmm? Hey, uh, then, uh, make this one here. Yes, I, I see that. Uh, you put him here. Look, look hey, uh, And then this one. Hey, go. boy, did you want something? Hmm. How's that, Mr. Paladin? Well, you knocked on the door. I knocked on the... Oh, yes, uh, this, uh, this letter come for you. Oh, thank you. That's from a man named Todd Griffin in Tucson, Arizona. He wants to see me. Well, guess I better get ready to leave. Oh, Mr. Paladin, you got to go right away, not even finish nice game of solitaire? Well, I... No. No, hey, boy. I, I'd sort of lost interest in it anyway. It was late afternoon. And I had several miles still ahead of me when a hush fell on the desert. The sky deepened in color and a thin winter rain started to fall. The dust settled and the new washed air was clean and spicy with sage. When I reached Tucson, I was soaked through and I decided I'd better have a warming drink before I checked into the hotel. I stopped at the Cantino, a quiet saloon in the old section. I finished my drink in a hurry, paid for it and started to leave. Uh, Senor? Yeah, I'll see you later, Juan. Un momento, señor Paladin. What? A drink for you. Oh, no, uh, thanks. No, no more, Juan. I've got to find a hotel. But the man at the end of the bar wants to buy this drink for you. End of the bar? Who? Which man? It is the tall man, young, with the light hair. Ah, uh, Well, all right, Juan. Well, thank you. Don't mention it. Your health. You don't remember me, do you, Paladin? Well, I... Abilene. Curly McLean. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry it's been such a long time. Sure. I'd never forget you. But then I've got something to remember you by. That slug of yours is still in my shoulder. You asked for it. I know. And I know it didn't have to land in my shoulder. You could have put it where it would have finished the job. And you'd have been within your rights. You were just a hot-headed kid. And what you really needed was a good spanking. But you didn't leave me any choice. Yeah, I know. Remember what you told me? No, what's that? 
You said if I didn't simmer down and get wise, I'd see the inside of a prison. Uh, You were really going for trouble. I want you to know I took your advice. Oh, glad to hear it. I left Abilene, broke up with the old bunch, came here to Arizona, took a job, worked hard. Well, good. What are you doing now, Curly? I just finished six years in Yuma Territorial Prison. Oh. I've been out just two weeks, five days, and ten hours. I won't ask you any questions, Curly, but just tell me this. Can I give you a hand? Have you any plans? Thanks, no. There's a little matter I have to see to before I settle on anything. And I have a business appointment tomorrow afternoon. Suppose I look you up tomorrow night. We'll talk. Sure. I'll be around. That night and all the next morning, I couldn't seem to get Curly McLean off my mind. When we had our little run-in back there in Abilene, he was a wild one, hell-bent for trouble, but I felt he was a good kid who just needed a little help in the right direction. And I tried to give it to him. I thought I'd succeeded. I wondered what had gone wrong along the way. I started early for Todd Griffin's ranch, which was some distance out of town. I inquired for him at the house and was directed to the corrals. Mr. Griffin? Yeah? I'm Paladin. Paladin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Breeding stock? Yeah. Brought him in to strengthen my herd. Nice layout you have here. (laughs) I figure it's quite a bit to show for the five years I've been in business. I'll tell you why I sent for you, Paladin. I make it a point never to wear a gun, so I'll have to hire one. What makes you think you'll be needing a gun? man is looking for me to kill me. How do you know this? He made the threat six years ago that he'd kill me the first chance he had. Why have you waited six years to get concerned about it? This is the first chance he's had. He'd been behind bars until a week before last. Oh? Name is McLean, a young fella. I'll show you his picture. If he ain't in town already, he will be soon. You can be sure of that. You want me to protect you from him? Yeah. Do you you have any particular plan? (laughs) Uh, He ain't very smart. We'll figure something. Mr. Griffin, why did he make this threat? What do you mean? Well, why did he say six years ago that he would kill you the first chance he had? I don't see how uh, that's any of your business. No? No. That ain't any of your concern. Why, how, where, or what? For a darn good fee, I'm offering to hire your gun. If you don't want the job, you say so. I'll get somebody else. No. No, I'll take the job, Mr. Griffin. <laughs> So Paladin is on the job, Lisa. You don't <laughs> don't mess with Paladin. No, I would not. You don't not. mess with a man called Paladin. No, I'm telling you that right I now. I wouldn't. Or a man called Carl. That's I don't right. Mess with you. It's first half of uh, Have Gun will travel more of return engagement. Just a few minutes. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Vic. It is eleven thirty-eight here on a Sunday evening. It's hour one of the WGN Radio Theater. We'll be here till one o'clock in the morning. We're listening to Have Gun Will Travel. 
Yeah, don't forget, we have a Facebook page, WGN Radio Theater, and a text in line. And uh, we love getting your text, 312-981-7200. And uh, text us anything you'd like. And then, of course, next hour, we will be giving away a pair of tickets to Porchlight Revisit. So a lot of good things coming up. All right, but right now, the conclusion to Have Gun, Will Travel. Curly. Hey, Curly, hold up. Oh, Paladin. You're a hard man to locate. I think I've missed you by one hand at every poker game along the street. I like to keep moving. Oh, why? What's on your mind? What do you mean? Are you looking for someone, Curly? Is it any of your business? Yeah. Griffin has hired me to protect him. So that's it. Is he right, Curly? Does he need protection from you? I guess you could say he does, because I'm aiming to kill him first chance I get. Why? I've been saving up a lot of hate. Come on, I'll buy you a drink. Why don't you forget this, Curly? Paladin, I ain't going to forget one dirty minute of those six years in Yuma. I can thank Todd Griffin for every one of them, and I'm going to thank him personally with a bullet in his belly. Yeah, but don't forget, I'm working for Griffin. Well, then I guess you and me are going to have to tangle again. We'll have to see how it works out this time. Curly, listen to me. Paladin, you listen to me. I don't want any more of your advice. I followed your advice once, remember? I don't understand. But... All that fine talk you gave me after our little fracas there in Abilene. Straighten out. Settle down. It didn't work out, Paladin. All right, all right. You want to tell me about it, Curly? <sighs> okay. I came to Arizona. Took a job. Worked hard. I was driving a team for a freight line. It was owned by Todd Griffin. We serviced the mines in Bisbee, carried equipment, supplies, and every once in a while, they'd send the payroll along with us. No guard or anything, just tossed it in. Figured it would be safe that way. Big payroll? Real big. Big enough for Griffin to set himself up with that cattle spread he's got. What do you mean? One time when the payroll was going in, it never got there. The wagon was found abandoned halfway up the grade. The money was gone. I didn't happen to be driving that night. Griffin, in his report, said I was. Your word against his? Yeah. Wasn't there anyone who could prove you weren't driving? Yeah. The woman I was with. Only she was part of the frame. She swore in court she hadn't seen me. Said I told her I had to work that day. Is that woman still in Bisbee? Last I heard, she was in Phoenix. What's her name? Carrie Porter. Why? I'd like to see her. Maybe she'll tell the truth. Maybe we can reopen the case. Will that give me back the last six years? You'll killing Griffin? No. But I'll be pretty sure he won't be enjoying the next six. Curly, will you make a deal? What's that? Will you give me a week? And promise me that you won't make a move for a week? All right, Paladin. I've waited a long time. I can wait another week if that's what you want. But one week. That's the deal. I was working for Todd Griffin, but he said it himself he was hiring my gun. That was all. So I didn't question the ethics of my plan. When I found Carrie Porter, I realized I had my work cut out for me. She owned the Four Aces Saloon near the outskirts of Phoenix. She had lots of warm red gold hair, 
and hard, cold blue eyes, and while it wasn't obvious, I felt sure she had hide like a buffalo. I gave up any notion I might have had of appealing to her better nature. Even if she had one, it was well protected. All right. I can give you a few minutes. What is it you wanted? Uh, could you sit down with me here and let me order you a drink? Look, I got things to do. If you got something to say, say it. If you want to sit around and drink, come in this evening when the crowd's here. Pete? Yeah? Roll in that barrel of beer that's been sitting out there in the sun getting hot. Now, what'd you say your name was? Paladin. Selling something? Nope. What's on your mind? Let's have it fast. Like I say, I'm busy. Uh, this is a nice place. Yeah. I understand you bought it about five years ago. That's right. Mm-hmm. About the same time Todd Griffin went into the cattle business. That's exactly what are you getting at. Oh, it takes quite an investment to open a saloon or to start up a cattle spread. Uh, where'd the money come from? How do you figure that's any of your business? Uh, just curious. Seems to me very strange to me that more people haven't been curious. I think you'd better get out of here. Maybe it's because people always take the easy way out. Maybe rather than face the truth that a terrible wrong has been committed by society, it's easier to look the other way. Now, see Even here, if you... it's plain as day that you and Griffin set yourself up with loot from a payroll robbery, it's better to accept it than admit a mistake and face up to the fact that an innocent boy spent six years in prison. All right, Paladin, your time's up. Pete? Yeah, be right over. Just put your gun on the table, Paladin. Pete has you covered, but he won't shoot you. We have another way. Uh -huh. We get nosy people like you in here every once in a while. First, we just warn them. So far, that's always been enough. I see. Yeah, Miss Carey? Pete's a good bartender, but that ain't why I keep him here. Now, you can try to put up a fight. You look like the kind who will, but believe me, it's no use. All right, Pete. All right. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> was right on both counts. One, I was the kind who would try to put up a fight. And two, it was no use. When I came to, I was stretched out on the edge of the desert. It was dark. It was raining. Strangely enough, I was quite content just to lie there, which was lucky, because I couldn't move. A long time later, I started to think, and then I got mad. Finally, I was mad enough to find my way back to the Four Aces Saloon. On the way, I picked up a club. The place was closed. Pete was locking the back door. Who's that? Never mind locking that door, Pete. I'm going in. Hey! This is for you. <laughs> now. Take care. Pete? No, Carrie, it's Paladin. No. What are you doing here? Pete? Pete's resting. What'd you do with him? I hit him with a club. What do you want? A signed confession as to just how you and Griffin framed Curly McLean. Crazy. How do you plan to get it? Hit me with a club? No, I guess I can't do that. Oh, of course you can't. You're too much of a gentleman. Unfortunately. Then how? Frankly, I don't know. Well, there's no way that you can reach me, Paladin. What are you after? His knife. You broke into my place, and I have every right to kill you. Oh, no, you don't. You just drop, drop that knife. Drop it. Drop it. Oh, you get out of here. Yeah. Hey, that, that's quite a knife, Carrie. Razor sharp. Probably a split of hair. 
Let's see. No. What's the matter? Don't you dare touch my hair. Oh, what do you know? You're a vulnerable spot. Everyone has one. What are you talking about? You're very vain about your long red hair, aren't you, Carrie? What if I am? I don't blame you. It's very beautiful. It's the only warm thing about you. Quit shooting off your face and you get out of here. No, I have an idea based on the old truth. There's more than one way to skin a cat. You talk crazy. Carrie, I'm too much of a gentleman to hit you with a club, but I wouldn't hesitate a minute to give you a haircut. Oh, you wouldn't dare. Yes, I would. So let's get busy writing that confession. Carrie Porter wrote the confession, and I marched her to the marshal's office with it to make sure it would stand up in court. Then I started back to Tucson. I reached there one day, past the week Curly had agreed to give me. He wasn't in town, so I rode out to the Griffin Ranch. I dismounted the gate and searched the grounds. Finally, out by the tool shed, I found the two men. Griffin was cowering against a corner of the building, and Curly stood over him with a gun. Now I'm here, this seems too good for you. You ought to sweat oh, more. No, I ain't armed, Curly. It's murder. Curly! What? Stay out of this, Paladin. I gave you your week. Don't do it, Curly. I said stay out. Curly, I'm working for Griffin. You'll have to face me first. All right, if you want it that way. Curly? Yeah. You... You ain't learned to shoot any better in all these years. Shoulder again. Yeah. That's the other shoulder this time, Curly. Give you a little balance. You shouldn't have stopped me. Don't worry, Curly. Griffin isn't going to enjoy the next six years. Or maybe the six after that. Oh, Mr. Paladin, you keep covers up. You get chilled. Miss Wog, what are you trying to do to me? What do you mean? This, this, this thing. That mustard plaster. Very good for bad cold. Miss Wog is going to burn the hide right off me. Oh, that Chinese mustard. Very hot. Very good. I I can't stand it. Mr. Paladin, you're very careless in Arizona. Get this back cold. Well, I, I was out of the raid. I, Gesundheit. <laughs> Gesundheit. Where do you learn that? Mr. Fisher in room 419 said that. He said uh, when next time wear rubbers, don't uh, get feet wet. Oh, he did. He did. did, he, did he? He, well, he, 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 he. <laughs> Gesundheit, Mr. Paladin. Have Gun, Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed in Hollywood by Frank Paris and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy and Virginia Gregg as Miss Wong. Tonight's story was specially written for Have Gun, Will Travel by Ann Dowd. Featured in the cast were Lynn Allen, 
Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dopkin, and Sam Edwards. This is Hugh Douglas inviting you to join us again next week when CBS Radio presents Have Gun, Will Travel. That's Have Gun, Will Travel, January 3rd, 1960. Not too many of these classic radio shows get into the 60s, Lisa, but... No, they certainly do This one did, and it's called Return Engagement, starring John Daner. Hope you enjoy that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on the WGN Radio Theater. Texting and driving is very serious. Remember, safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Put the phone down and don't text and drive. This message courtesy of Alley 64 Bar and Grill in Palatine, where they are working hard for the future of our community. Stop by 2001 North Rand Road in Palatine or call 847-934-6408. That's 847-934-6408. That's Alley 64 bar and grill on the air reminding everyone to arrive alive don't text and drive well, when i'm driving my car and i look next to me oh, and someone's it's, texting it's awful. while they're driving especially on the highway or it's something like that so scary god it's unbelievable I folks agree. when you're driving your car please put your phone away don't text um you know what lisa want to just spend a moment here talking about the Classic Radio Club. Now, there are um, there are two ways you can join. When you go to the Classic Radio Club website at ClassicRadioClub.com, you can sign up and get CDs sent to your home, 10 shows every single month on five CDs sent to your home in a collector case, or you can get them sent via digital download to your email. Either way, you're going to get the greatest quality classic radio shows of all time. So if you like classic radio, you want to start getting 10 shows sent to you each and every month, you'll never get a duplicate show. They'll always be full, intact shows, no editing to them. You'll have the original commercials in them. They are uh, pristine quality. This is the club for you. If you like to listen to classic radio shows and want uh, five hours worth every month, so ten shows sent to you via email or via CD, just go to ClassicRadioClub.com. And the very first month, we have a special going on, the very first month, it's only $1. It's a deal. Yeah, not yep. bad. You can't beat it. So, uh, Oh, and also, I will. Uh, I write copious liner notes, very informative uh, historical liner notes for each and every show. You get that as part of the um, CDs and digital downloads as well. So it's all there at ClassicRadioClub.com. Check it out. Hundreds and hundreds of people are members of the club. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Vic. It is 12.07 in the morning, happy Monday morning to you. And Lisa, when we come back here next week, what do we have for our listeners? Oh, Just looking let's at this see. here. We have. Oh, I see. Got it? I, I Archie don't. Andrews, KC crime photographer, and Red Rider on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Lisa's all discombobulated <laughs> over here. On <laughs> Sunday, we have Inner Sanctum and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Yep. She's looking all around, <laughs> throwing papers. She's looking very perplexed and discombobulated. I 
don't and, have that information um, in front of me at the moment. Why? Because I threw that page away back. So <laughs> threw away the wrong page. <laughs> threw it away. So, Lisa, what's on next week? What do we have? What do we got going on next week? Next week? Yeah, what do we have Saturday and Sunday, Lisa? I don't know at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Archie Andrews. Casey, crime photographer, Here, I got red writer. That's Saturday. I got it. And Sunday. I got it. Sunday. We've got Inner Sanctum Mystery and the Adventure of Sherlock Holmes. Were you just garbage picking there? I was. We, she was in the garbage picking the paper out of there. I actually now go wash threw, your hands. No, I'm good. I threw away the wrong page. Brush your teeth. Wash your hands. <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In this hour, we have suspense, starring Agnes Moorhead. A great story with a twist ending. But right now it's time to play our game, Cat's Pride. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Yes, our celebrity is Angela Lansbury. Okay. And we Murder, are, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. And we are going to be giving away two tickets to Porchlight Revisits Minnie's Boys, which is a look at the young Marx Brothers. And they chart their journey from vaudeville to Hollywood and all sorts of great stuff. It's a perfect uh, combination with WGN Radio Theater. So we are looking for caller number three. All right. So call now, 312-981-7200. Win two tickets and be on the air with us. All right. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. We have, we have Gary on the lawn to play with us. Hey, Gary. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, go- I'm, I'm getting over one of those uh, uh, lost my voice colds, but uh, I'm getting better. You sound okay, Gary. Yeah, well, luckily we, we can't catch it over the phone line no, we here, can't. so we're safe. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can, as long as you can understand me. We oh, can. we got you. We got you. All right, we're gonna play a little Angela Lansbury, real or ridiculous. You ready? Yeah, I don't have my uh, sound I effects. I'm on, thing. It. I'm on it right now. Okay. I don't have my sound effects. Oh thing. no, Carl. I'll do it with my own voice. Okay, good. Number one, she received a lifetime achievement award. Is that real or ridiculous? Oh, I would have to say that's real. That's real. That is real. That was in 2002. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Carl, thank <laughs> Come on, you. Carl. You and me, man. Let's where's do your, it, Gary. Where's your $20 Walgreens well, toy? <laughs> I forgot it in my All right, number two. Bag. In 1966, she appeared in the Broadway musical Mame. Is that real or ridiculous? 66. Um, appeared. She could have been a stand-in or she could have been on a big... Yeah, I'm going to say that's real. What about you, Carl? That's real, Gary. That is real, guys. You are on the board again. Oh, yeah. All right, one more to go. Her first film role was in Gaslight, 1944. Wow. Is she that old? Yeah, but she could have been a child in there. What do you think, Carl? That sounds like it could be real. I think it might yeah, be real. I'm going to say that's real. It is. I did three reels, and wow, you got all got three them, of Gary. them correct, which is you know, really and rare. she's really sneaky, this Lisa. I am but we sneaky. over, we you know what we we beat her you sneakiness. Overrode my we overrode her sneakiness. We ought to go on the road with her. I know. Let's do it. You'll be like Abbott and Costello. That's fantastic. <laughs> You'll be Abbott, and I'll be oh, Costello. <laughs> Lisa with us, and we'll be the uh, Marx Brothers. Yeah, that's right. I'm in. As long as she's Harpo, because that way she wouldn't talk at all. I'll just... (laughs) 
I thought you were going to make me uh, the uh, a Charlie McCarthy. Um, anyways, Gary, <laughs> Derry, you did great. You won two tickets to Porchlight Revisits. It's a series called Minnie's Boys. It's May 22nd and 23rd. It's at Ruth Page Center for the Arts. And it's a look at the young Marx brothers as they chart their journey from vaudeville to Hollywood and their invention of the grease paint mustache, the honking horn, the tickling of the famous piano keys. Go to porchlightmusictheater.org for tickets, but you have just one. So congratulations. You did a great job, and I hope you feel better. Oh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm on the way up. I'm, you know, I'm on my way. Um, uh, you know, Marx Brothers were my favorite time of oh, the year. Oh, I'm so you're glad. Love that, I'm so glad. Well, thank you for playing. You did a great job, and, and thanks for being a WGN listener. Santa Sigurd Word and Divided by Honor and Alice. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. All right, thank you. All right, Take Gary, care. Take care. All righty, it's time now for Suspenders. Yes. <laughs> so close. <laughs> <laughs> to hold my pants up. Suspenders. And you definitely don't need that. Well, because it scares the pants off you, right. this show. And so that's, you need this is a great time to play. It. It's after midnight. Yeah. It's a good time to have a, a little scary, creepy uh, show. Well, you know, suspense... We play a lot of suspense here on the WGN Mystery, uh, Mystery Theater, the WGN Radio <laughs> Theater, because it was one of the greatest mystery series of all time. It was conceived as a, when they put the show together, Lisa, when the producers at CBS were like, hey, let's come up with this really great show you know, of mystery, they thought, let's get Alfred Hitchcock to direct it. And you know what I think the reason was for that? Because the Lux Radio Theater was on the air on CBS, and it was the most popular show on CBS. And who was the host at that time? Cecil B. DeMille. So they were like, okay, who's the greatest mystery mystery, uh, director of all time? Well, Alfred Hitchcock. So they approached him and were like, look, we want to create a show like Lux Theater, but all mystery would you be the would you be like the director host and at first he said yes so what they did is they recorded a pilot episode called forecast it was on a series called forecast and they did an episode herbert marshall starred in it and it was uh, it was called the lodger which was the story of jack the ripper and he was the host of that mm-hmm. and so they took that episode you know they took that recording 16 inch transcription disc took it around to sponsors for some incredibly strange reason it, it did not sell. it did not sell so like a year or two later, they decided, all right, let's just put this show on the air without a sponsor because it's such a great idea. But at that point, either they couldn't afford Alfred Hitchcock, we don't know, mm-hmm. or Hitchcock was too busy or decided not to do it. So they went on the air without Hitchcock. But it was conceived as a radio vehicle for Alfred Hitchcock to direct. Came to radio 1942, lasted all the way till 1962, nearly 1,000 broadcasts. It also made a transition to television. And the biggest names in Hollywood appeared on this show. Now, we have an episode for you now with the First Lady of Suspense. She was dubbed the First Lady of Suspense because she was the um, uh, the female actress mm-hmm. with the most appearances on Suspense. She, of course, did Sorry, Wrong Number, the most famous suspense story of all time. She stars now in this episode called... Uncle Henry's Rosebush, and uh, there's a terrific twist ending on this broadcast. Let's go back to June 29th, 
1943, June 29th, 1943. Here is part one now of Suspense. Suspense. This is the man in black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Our starring Hollywood cast of characters reads as follows for tonight. As Aunt Julie, one of those stark, severe, and terrifying women who is encountered ever so often along the grimmer outposts of the American countryside, Miss Agnes Moorhead. As Carol Linden, the girl who returned to a scene of childhood happiness and found terror living in the house, Miss Ellen Drew. As Paul, Carol's husband, who had his own ideas as to the explanation of these strange events, Mr. Ted Reed. A first radio play by Larry Roman called Uncle Henry's Rosebush is tonight's tale of suspense. If you have been with us before... You will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with Uncle Henry's Rosebush and the performances of Agnes Moorhead as Aunt Julie, Ellen Drew as Carol and Ted Reed as Paul. We again hope to keep you in suspense. I shall tell you the story exactly as it happened There's no use pretending I'll never forget And I know I'll not awake and find it all a dream It's real And for the rest of my life I shall know it's real Paul was to have his first vacation since we were married I suggested we visit my Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry, who had a small farm upstate. They had always been very kind to me. When I was a child, I used to spend my summer vacations with them. They loved children. I've often wondered why they never had any of their own. Some time ago, I'd lost track of them. They'd never seen Paul, and I was certain they'd like to. Paul said it would be fine. We'll surprise them, I thought. We were the ones who were surprised. Just a few more miles, Paul. Remember this road. We used to hike along it going to the village. Ah, this country air is wonderful. Two weeks of green grass and wicker chairs. I can't think of anything better. Oh, you'll love Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry. They live alone, quiet and peaceful. It'll be quite a change from the city. Yeah. Well, they must be happy together. Oh, they are, but they're lonely. Smooth lawns and orchards. And flowers. Uncle Henry planted huge rose bushes around the porch. Every night as I crawled in the bed, he used to bring me a rose. They're his favorite flowers. Ah, vacation, here we come. Come on, car, let's go. Just around the bend. Here we go. There it is. Carol, look. Why, Paul. Are you sure this is the place? Yes, but all the weeds and the broken shutters. Looks as though it's been neglected for months. I don't understand. Perhaps it's deserted. But it can't be. It's their home. 
Oh, come on. Let's go up and see. Huh. The dirt on this porch must be an inch thick. No answer. Nobody here. Look, Paul, over there at the end of the porch. The rose bush. Uncle Henry's rose bush. Why, it's trimmed and neat. It's the only thing that seems to be taken care of. Well, then somebody must be here. Maybe they can tell us what happened to Aunt Julie and Uncle Henry. Knock again. Mm. Someone's coming. Well? We're looking for a Mr. and Mrs. Connors. They used to live... Uh, oh, why, Aunt Julie, I didn't recognize you. Well, it's me, Aunt Julie. It's, it's Carol. I wasn't expecting you. Paul's vacation. We thought we'd spend it here. Well, you've been asking for us for years. This is Paul, my husband. Oh, Carol's told me so much why about Why did you it. come? What? I said, why did you come? Well, aren't you glad to see us? Aunt Julie, something's happened. Nothing's happened. Oh, but it did. Tell me, Aunt Julie, we'll help. Well, of course we will. You shouldn't have come. Well, Carol, if she doesn't want us, let's go. No, Paul. This isn't like you, Aunt Julie. Something dreadful has happened, I know. Go, Carol, please go. Listen, if it's money, Aunt Julie, well, we haven't got too much, but you're welcome to I it. tell you, nothing's wrong. Oh, but there must be. This house... You're her husband. I'm asking you to take her and go away. Oh. Come on, Carol. We're not wanted. Let's go. We're going to stay. Well, there you are. She's your niece, and you know how stubborn she can be. We're going to stay. Where's Uncle Henry? I say, where's Uncle Henry? He's... He's not here. Oh, but where is he? He's not here. Isn't that enough? Oh, what'll he be back? He won't be. Oh, but Aunt Julie... He won't ever be back. <laughs> Julie had run out of the room. Perhaps she was crying. I don't know. I just knew that Uncle Henry was gone. He had left her. It seemed strangely impossible. They'd always been so happy. So supremely happy that it seemed that the only thing that could separate them on this earth was death. Now this. I couldn't believe it. Paul and I walked into the living room. It was almost as dusty as the outside. The curtains were dirty, the floor littered with old newspapers. The entire room showed the same signs of neglect as the outside. And when I recalled how neat Aunt Julie had always been with her housework, oh, a feeling of apprehension crawled up my back. Frankly, I was frightfully worried, and, and I could tell by the look on Paul's face that he was worried, too. I don't like it, Paul. There's something strange here. Yeah. I never saw a house in such a mess. It's not just the house. It's more than that. Something much more. I'm sure of it. Well, really, Carol, it's none of our business, don't you? Well, perhaps not, but you don't know Aunt Julie like I do. She'd never ask for help. No matter how much she needed it. I'm just not trying, Paul. It... I suppose you're right. You've always been so kind to me. I've got to help them. But how can we, Carol? We don't even know what's wrong. They were always so happy together. Somehow I can't believe they've broken up. Something else has happened. Something terrible. And I'm going to stay until I find out what. <laughs> well, in that case, we'd better find a place to sleep. All the bedrooms are upstairs. 
Come on. Right. Well, look at the dust on the banister. Bet this place hasn't been cleaned in a month. Paul. Huh? Did you see the way she looks? Yeah. Gee, her face seems completely wrinkled with worry. No wonder I didn't recognize her. She seems much older and frightened. Well, do you think she's ill? I don't know. I wish I did. Look at that hall. Gloomy and dirty. Uh, where do these doors go to? That one's to Aunt Julie's room, and this one's Uncle Henry's. The one across the way is the spare. I guess that's ours. Well, let's go in. Wow. What a mess. Well, might as well get busy cleaning. Yeah, there's nothing like a good round of house cleaning before supper. Paul, so long as Uncle Henry's not here, maybe we can take his room. It's got an adjoining door to Aunt Julie's, and then in case she needs us, we'll be near. Okay. It doesn't matter to me which room we clean. Let's go. Yeah. This one over here. Well, this is... Paul, look. It's... it's all clean and neat. Well, I'll be darned. It's the only clean place in the whole house. I don't understand. Every room is inches in dirt, except this one. The outside is completely neglected. Except the rose bush. Uncle Henry's room and Uncle Henry's rose bush. I don't get it. Well, look, uh, on the dresser there. Aunt Julie's picture and a pipe and tobacco. Why, that's Uncle Henry's favorite pipe. Drawers full of shirts, socks, underwear. Cal, if your uncle went away, why did he leave this? I don't know. Strange, but... What's that paper, Paul? Why, it looks like... It is an, an insurance policy. For $30,000 payable to your Aunt Julie in case Uncle Henry dies. Cal, what this is... What are you two doing here? Uh, Aunt Julia. What are you doing here? here? Well, we thought that What's we that did... in your hand? An insurance. Give it to me. But I... I keep out of this room. Well, we didn't need any All right, some creepy stuff here on Suspense with Uncle Henry's Rosebush. Starring Agnes Moorhead from 1943 on Suspense. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Drivers, please stay alert when driving in all of our child-filled areas. Arrive alive, don't text and drive. This message is courtesy of Dominguez Law Firm PC in Cicero, serving the area with quality and pride. For all of your legal needs, call 708-222-0200. That's Dominguez Law Firm PC in Cicero, reminding everyone... Arrive alive, don't text, and drive. It is... Whoops, I didn't have my microphone on. No, that's a problem. I don't think I could reach the people out there across the country... That's okay, we don't mind. ...without the microphone I I got you covered. (laughs) It's uh, it's 101 in radio engineering. You need to push the button. Radio Engineering 101. 101, which I never <laughs> took that class. I didn't take that one either. All right. That's well, why we I'm have sure Shantae. Vic Vaughn did. He, know, he always turns <laughs> the mic on at the right time. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Vic. It is 1234 on a Monday morning, and uh, we are listening to a very creepy episode of Suspense called Uncle Henry's Rosebush. It stars Agnes Moorhead. It's going back to June 29, 1943. Here's the conclusion. I didn't know how to take this. Uncle Henry's pipe and all his clothes were still in his room. And yet, Uncle Henry was gone. 
And I couldn't understand why Aunt Julie got so angry. I looked to Paul for an explanation. I could tell he had something on his mind, but I didn't dare ask him what it was, and he didn't say. After Aunt Julie's outburst, we went back to the spare room and cleaned it. Then we washed and started downstairs for supper. Watch your step, Carol. These aren't the strongest-looking stairs. It'll be all right. Paul, what do you make of Aunt Julie's behavior? Frankly, Carol, I'm worried. I'm frightened. May as well admit it. There's something strange here that frightens me to death. Well, I, I don't think there's anything to be frightened of. It's just that... Oh, there, that's the last step. This way to the kitchen. All right. No, as I was saying, I, I don't think there's... Look out, Carol! <laughs> That was close. That vase just missed you. A vase? Yes, and it was a heavy one. The one at the top of the stairway. Oh, it would have hit me. Yeah. Oh, Paul, I'm frightened. Look, coming down the stairs. What happened? The vase fell. Just missed Carol. Oh, don't worry about it. I didn't like the vase anyway. The vase? What about Carol? She almost got killed. Never mind, Paul. It was an accident. An accident. We were just going in for supper, Aunt Julie. Care to join us? Well, I... Come on, Aunt Julie. It'll do you good. Oh, all right. Here. You two sit right down. I'll have something prepared in a minute. I'm not very hungry. Oh, nonsense, Aunt Julie. I'll, I'll fix something that'll make your mouth water. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when Carol and I get through cleaning this place up, it'll look just like you. Yeah. Sure, I I think when Carol and I have a family, we'll take them to a farm. Really? Yes, yes. You know, this this place would be swell for children. Oh, uh, what do you mean? What? <laughs> what did I say? What's the matter? What's the matter with Aunt Julie? Uh, where's she going? I don't know. I, I was just trying to make conversation. Just talked about children on a farm, that's all. Oh, Paul, I'm frightfully worried. You think we ought to call a doctor for her? I don't know. We have to do something. She certainly doesn't look too well. But maybe she isn't really sick. What do you mean? Well, maybe if your Uncle Henry did leave her, well, then maybe... You mean, you mean she still loves him? That's possible, but... Oh, but you don't really believe it. Oh, Carol, I don't know what to believe. I just know something's wrong. Uh-huh. I'm not hungry, Paul. Me either. Let's go for a walk. Maybe we can figure something out. Yeah, country's so peaceful and beautiful in the night. Yes, it is. I wish you could enjoy it. But I can. Oh, don't try to fool me. Your first vacation in years and you run into this. Well, we have to help her. Of course. But how? Yes, we don't even know what's wrong. She not only won't tell, but we can't get near her long enough to talk to her. Suppose Uncle Henry really did leave her. He may have gone off in a huff. That would account for the clothes being here. Well, perhaps. And, and suppose she still is in love with him. Well, that would account oh, for... Oh, but even if that's so, could that make her feel so badly? Make her act like this, not... Not talking, neglecting everything? Everything except his room and his flowers. I don't know. A woman's love is a strange thing. You left me, I... Well, I don't know what I'd do. Well, if that is the case, the thing to do is to make her forget. That won't be easy. No, I don't imagine it would be. But suppose... Suppose we take her to the city with us. Until she forgets. Well, we could ask her at least. Yeah. 
Yeah, come on. Let's go find her. Hey, watch out. You almost fell. I tripped. I'm all right. Let's... Look, Paul. What? Look what I tripped over. It's a mound of freshly dug earth. Well, what's that for? Paul. Paul, it looks like a... a grave. Oh, don't be silly. Why, it's just a... a... Forget it. Come on, let's find Aunt Julie. Paul, that... Forget it. Say, uh, what's that building over there? That's the barn. There used to be a swell old cow there with a bell around her neck and chickens and ducks and all sorts of pets. Yeah, this must have been a happy place. It was, but now... Paul, standing by the barn, it's Aunt Julie. Come on, let's ask her now. Aunt Julie, what are you doing? Following me? How could you? Well, it was a nuisance. Oh, Aunt Julie. Oh, a cat with its neck wrung. This was the first indication of Aunt Julie's ruthlessness. It seemed so unlike the Aunt Julie that I knew. She was always kind. There was no mistaking the anger in her eyes as she stood there in the dim moonlight, the strangled cat in her hands. She killed it, she said, because it was a nuisance. If she could do that... What else was she capable of doing? Paul and I went into the house. We went upstairs and put the finishing touches in our room and went to bed. I couldn't sleep as I watched the moon make its slow, solitary way across the heaven. I kept thinking, Paul and I are also a nuisance. Toward midnight, I became drowsy and was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I, I heard footsteps in the hall. doing up this time of night? I don't know, but who else could it be? Well, I'll go see. I'm coming with you. Now, quiet. Don't put on the light. I can't see. Yes, now I can. It is Aunt Julie. She's walking down the hall. I think she's coming this way. got in her hand. Looks like a scissors. Scissors? Yes. What would she be doing with... Carol, she's coming this way. <gasps> Get back in bed quick. What? Get in bed. All right, now. Quiet. She went out. What? Yeah. She just... Looked in and left. You think she knew we were awake? I don't see how. Let's follow her. All right. Where's my other slipper? Oh, there. All right, come on. She's going downstairs. Come on and be quiet. I think she's going outside. Let's go. Not so fast. Give her a chance to get out. There she's out. Come on. 
cutting a bunch of roses off the bush. She's taking them around to the back of the house. Come on. Here. Now get down behind this bush. Look! Oh. She's going over to that that mound and placing the roses on it. Oh. Good Paul, it it looks like Quiet, Carol. She's kneeling beside it. Now she's getting up. Coming back. Get down. She's gone. Oh. Do you know what that is? I got a pretty good idea. Uncle Harry's roses with Uncle Harry's grave. I said it. I said it without thinking. Of course, we had no way of knowing Uncle Henry was dead. We had no way of knowing that that was Uncle Henry's grave or that it was a grave at all. But at that moment, stooping behind the bush in the blackness of the country, we felt it, not knowing why. Paul and I went back to our room as quickly and as silently as possible. Needless to say, we didn't sleep anymore. We just kept looking at each other, asking ourselves questions, trying to analyze our feelings. Soon we could see the streaks of dawn coming up over the treetops. And we slept the early morning hours trying to... Trying to convince each other that our thoughts were ridiculous. Frankly, I don't think we succeeded. Finally, we decided not to mention it. To go on with the cleaning the next day as we'd planned. To make believe nothing had happened until we had proof. That day we spent cleaning and all day Aunt Julie was nowhere to be seen. Yet I had a strange feeling that... Something, someone was watching our every move. Toward evening, Paul and I sat down for a bite to eat. More coffee? Oh, thanks. I wonder where Aunt Julie is. I don't know, Carol. That's a strange aunt you've got. Yes. Oh, look, the window. What is it? Oh, I saw someone looking in. What? There's no one there now. But I, I'm sure I saw... Probably just a shadow. Yes, probably just a shadow. You're on edge, Carol. I'll be all right. Finish your coffee. I'll start cleaning the bathroom. We'll both work on the kitchen. And I'll take care of the downstairs. All right. Paul, you look worried. You know, this, this whole crazy business... Let's not talk about... But putting roses on a... I'm sorry, Carol. It's you I'm really worried about it. If something should happen to you, I'll never forgive myself. Nothing will happen. I'll finish your coffee. I'll start cleaning the bathroom. Okay, Carol. I won't be long. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't too bad. There's the sink. Some hot water. There, that's it. Wash rag around the sink bowl. wind. I'm getting jumpy. This place won't be half bad when it's clean. The medicine chest. Clean the mirror. Shelves. Oh. Paul. Paul. What is it, Carol? Come here. What is it, Carol? 
What's the matter? Look, here in a medicine chest. Where? It's a hypodermic needle. What would a hypodermic needle be doing here? Well, it's not likely to be here for nothing. Look, alongside of it. A bottle of... What's it say? I... I can't read it. It's awful-looking stuff. Open the bottle. All right. That cork's in tight. There, there. Oh, nauseating. <laughs> stuff like that would kill a person. Well, it's not a joke. I'm sorry, Carol. Do you really think Aunt Julie... I don't know. Oh, it can't be, Paul. It can't be. Maybe not, but we better find out. And quickly, Carol, there's one more thing to do. I'm going to see if that's really Uncle Henry's grave. I'm going to dig it up. Oh, Paul, you can't. Don't you see? I have to. If it is, we're in danger. Of course. I'm still not sure that falling vase was an accident. We have to find out about this business once and for all. Well, I'm coming with you. We walked out toward the back of the house. Through my mind flashed the succession of events. The neglected house, Aunt Julie's insistence that we leave, the roses, the grave, the insurance policy, and now the hypodermic needle and that infernal oil. All the evidence pointed to but one conclusion. I couldn't believe it, and yet, there it was, motive and method. And now we were going outside to dig up the last remaining evidence. Well... This is it, Carol. Sure you want to watch? I won't stay in this house alone. Look at the beautiful roses around it. Hurry up, Paul. Let's get it over with. Okay. Here goes. I never thought I'd turn into a grave digger. This dirt isn't packed tight. Easy to dig. It's getting dark. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll run in and get a lantern. I'll be right back, Carl. All right. Every one of those lengthening shadows looked like a ghost. It gets dark quickly in the country. I was afraid, but I knew Paul would be back in a minute. I picked up the shovel and began to dig. Ah, there. That's better. I'm so nervous. I'm working. Is that you behind me, Paul? Bring the lantern closer. Gee, it's so dark. Paul. Paul, I... Ah! Look at Henry! What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to my grave? Put it back. Put it back. Oh, my flowers, my beautiful flowers, my lovely roses. You've hurt them. You've hurt my roses, and I won't let you. I won't. I won't. Keep away. Keep away, Uncle Henry. I won't let you hurt my roses. My sweet, delicate roses. Take your hands away. Take them... You broke them. You killed them. Stop it. Stop it, Henry. I'm going to kill her Stop just it. as he did my rose. Stop it. Take your hands away. Kill her. Henry. 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 Oh. Oh, forgive me, Henry. I didn't mean. Are you all right, Carol? Yes. Oh. Yes, I think so. What happened? What? Oh. Uncle Henry? And Julie saved my life, Paul. We thought she... Oh, can you ever forgive us, Julie? You didn't know. Then you he didn't wasn't know. Dead at all? No. No, he wasn't. Oh, I don't understand. He was living in his room all the time, Carol. I was taking care of him. When you two insisted on staying here, I, I kept him out of sight. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to kill him, but I had to. He would have killed Carol. And Julie. Oh, if you only had left when I asked you to. But perhaps it's better this way. 
He never got that violent before. I could always take care of him. The hypodermic needle and the sedative calmed him when he got a little wild, but then... Then when I saw him strangle a cat, I knew he was getting completely out of hand. Yes, it's, it's better this way. He's better off dead. <laughs> Poor Uncle Henry. The grave and the roses were a whim of his. <laughs> a whim. And look, he fell right in his own grave. And so closes the story, Uncle Henry's Rosebush, starring Agnes Moorhead, Ellen Drew, and Ted Reed. Tonight's tale of Suspense. That is Suspense with Uncle Henry's Rosebush, June 29, 1943. Agnes Moorhead starring in that. Joseph Kearns as the man in black is heard on CBS.